my name's Pete, and uh, I'm uh, one of the pastors. We are Antioch, and it's so good to be together uh, to celebrate Christmas Eve. Glad that you're with us. And uh, this is a church service, but really more than that, it's a birthday party, isn't it? And kids, whose birthday is it? Jesus. And guess how old he is? 2018. Very good. Homeschooler? Got it. <laughs> Gotta love it. That'd be a lot of candles and a big cake. So instead we just have a four and we'll get to those in just a few minutes. But uh, in addition to a birthday party, what we're here to do is not just to celebrate, although that's certainly appropriate, but we're really here to worship. And even more specifically, we're here to worship a baby, which sounds really weird, right? Even if you're a Christian and have been celebrating Christmas your whole life, that you're going to get a few hundred people together on a snowy night and worship a baby. And it sounds crazy, but the reality is that's what we're doing here, and we're joined together with billions of other Christians all around the world today to worship this same baby. And of course, we know it's not just an ordinary baby. This baby is the one who came as God's savior for the world. So since this is a birthday party for a baby, parents, relax. Your kids can chatter. They can move. They can even talk a little bit. This is a party, all right? And I'm just going to keep yelling at you, and hopefully you'll catch something. Uh, it would be ridiculous to say we're at a baby's birthday party, no kids allowed. That wouldn't make any sense. So we're, we're partying together. So tonight I want you to reflect with me for just a few minutes on the significance of the idea that when God came to earth, that he came as a human baby. And the baby in the manger, we're told in the scripture reading, would serve as a sign to those that were looking for God's presence on earth. The angel said, the baby will be a sign unto you. And so we want to pay attention to that same sign, that there's significance to the fact that God comes to us in the form of a baby. The sign for those shepherds was that there were lots of babies that could have been born anywhere near them, but instead of looking in a house or looking in a hospital, the sign was when you find a baby in a manger, that's the one, right? And so when they find him, they find God. Let's continue on in the story, starting in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them, all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This baby would be a sign to us. Now, as a pastor, I have the incredible privilege of frequently going to meet brand new babies. On the day they're born, I'm often invited to come to the hospital and to hold this few-hour-old child in my arms. And you talk to the parents, and we pray for the baby. But really, why do you go? 
Why do you go when a friend or a family member has a new baby? Why do you go that day? You really just go to look at it, right? That's what you're doing. I want to see your baby. Like, you're not expecting much of a conversation or any transaction of any kind. I just want to look at your baby, if that's okay. And people tend to be <laughs> pretty open to that. But what happens when you look at this brand new little baby? If you've had that experience, there's nothing else like it in the world, is there? You're just kind of caught up in the magic, the mystery, the miraculous of a new child that's come into the world, and it just kind of sucks you in. You're examining the tiny little perfect fingers and its little ears and her little nose. I mean, there is just nothing else like that. So what are we really doing when we come to visit a newborn baby? We're there to see him, to be captivated by her, to adore him, to behold her, it actually sounds a lot like what the Bible calls worship. We typically associate worship with singing and music and church and that sort of thing, and that stuff is absolutely a valid and important expression of our worship, but the essence of worship is to see God, to come and to behold him and to have our hearts melted and our minds blown by him and to walk away from th that experience changed by his grace and by his glory and by his beauty. And you see, this is exactly what happens to the shepherds that day, right? They show up and they find Jesus in the manger. They find God and they stand in awe of this beautiful little baby, that God had come to them, and specifically to them, right? Because manger's a really weird place for a baby to be born, but these are shepherds. They spend all their time in stables, in barns, in, around mangers. And so instead of God saying, the angel saying, hey, come into the big city, come to the temple, wash up, clean yourself up, put on your finest clothes, come pay your, your respects to this baby king. Instead, God goes to them in their world and they find exactly what their hearts had hoped for. That God has come in the least expected way. He comes not just as a baby, but as a king showing up in the most ordinary, humble, regular possible way. And that's how Jesus' kingdom on earth starts its movement. So what happens next? Well, the scripture tells us exactly what they hoped for. Their hearts are melted, their minds are blown, they're captivated with joy, and they go away from there praising God, thanking God. They worship God as a result of seeing his face in this, in this baby in a manger. So strange as it sounds that we're here tonight to worship a baby, it's actually what this day has always been about. And for 2,018 years now, We've, as followers of Jesus, set aside this night to come together and to have our hearts melted and mind blown by the baby king. Now, so think about it like this. 
um, for those of us that have kids, maybe you have little kids or maybe your kids have kids that have little kids, but for those of us that have kids, um, why did you first have kids? What was your reason for deciding to have kids in the first place? Was it because you needed more workers for your family farm? Was it because you needed more warriors to defend your village? Uh, Was it because you were concerned that if you didn't reproduce that the human race would die out and go extinct on earth? Uh, Obviously, those have actually been very real concerns at different places in the world throughout history. But for us today, unless we're talking about a surprise pregnancy situation or a situation where you end up taking responsibility for someone else's kids, the desire to have kids in the first place comes from somewhere else, somewhere different that's even hard to explain, isn't it? So let me put it this way. All you kids in the room... How many of you, when you grow up, would like to have kids of your own one day? How many of you want to be a mom or dad when, you adult, when you're an adult? Kaylin? No? All right. You're good? Most of you guys do, though. Most of you do. Okay, now here's the next question, and this can't go wrong. Why? Is there a brave kid that would tell me, why do you want to be a mom or dad when you grow up? Yeah. Awesome. It sounds kind of cool, and my mom and dad are really good at it, so. Previously mentioned homeschoolers, so. Yeah, back there. Sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Say it a little louder. To love someone, exactly. I think that's a great answer. I mean, it's interesting. Most of us, when we got married, started having family or whatever, like we didn't really think about why. There was just something in us that longs to rejoice in bringing new life into the world. Like that our kids somehow would serve to be an expression of our deepest heart and our deepest humanity that they're a way of producing the truest expression of who we really are. Or you might even say that children are the physical embodiment of our joy. That God's design is that when a family comes together in the love, in the joy, in the peace, in the hope of that family, that there's an overflow, an eruption that results in new, beautiful lives. And so we could even ask the question of why did God make humans in the first place? What was his motivation for having kids, so to speak? And I think it's the exact same. That he made us so that he could share his life and his love with us in generosity so that he could delight in us and enjoy us. And so if that is how our Heavenly Father brought us into being and it's how he loves us and parents us, if you will, then it makes so much sense that as his image bearers, we also would find great joy in bringing new life into the world. So I don't give a lot of parenting advice, but if this is true, then I would argue, parents, that our first job isn't to raise our kids, it's to enjoy them. It's to delight in them. 
It's to allow our love to overflow into their lives. And this week is an exceptional time to do that, isn't it? To enjoy and delight in the beautiful lives that God has entrusted to us. Now, on the other side of it, we all know people who long to have kids, but for whatever reason they can't, right? And it just hasn't been possible, and maybe it never will be. And I've sat with parents through the painful journey of infertility or with single people who haven't been able to, to find a partner. And what's important for them and all of us to hear is that longing to receive and experience the joy of new life is that just the same way we talk about God being a father to the fatherless, that this little baby child, as we read, would be an everlasting father, in the same way that God is a father to the fatherless in Christ, Jesus is a child to the childless. That he is the one who's given to us and that we receive with gratitude and with joy that causes our hearts to melt and our minds to be blown. That's what we celebrate at the most epic level tonight. That a world that was desperately waiting to receive the gift of this child, that that gift has come. That the wait is over. The baby is here. And so the truth is, we all know babies are cute, but they also have the power to absolutely disrupt our entire lives, huh? Right? Remember going on vacation before you had kids? It was a very different experience, right? Your house looked different. Your shopping list was different. Everything was different before and after. And Jesus is that same kind of baby. That he comes not just to be cute and cuddly, but to be a king, to be a savior, to be a lord. For us to find our life in him, to live in submission to his spirit, to live in obedience to his commands, to live as people who are partners with him in his kingdom mission on earth of making all things new. And so the hope is, just like the, the, the uh, shepherds were able to find Jesus that first Christmas in the most ordinary and regular sort of way, that we also would be those that are able to find Jesus this week as well. And not necessarily in the big, epic, memorable moments, but in the small, everyday, ordinary moments that have all now been, sac been made sacred and are being made new and, and then the whole world with it. And so we'll close by coming back to the Advent candles. Like I said, at birthday parties, we usually light candles on cakes. We didn't have a cake big enough for 2018 candles, so we just have five. And as we celebrate Jesus' birthday, we're joining with what Christians have done for a long, long time in lighting these four candles in the weeks leading up uh, to Christmas. And so we've been doing this for the last month at Antioch on Sunday mornings. Each week, we light a new candle. And we've lit the candle of joy, the candle of peace, the candle of hope, and the candle of love. And tonight, we're going to light the last candle, candle, the center candle, which is the Christ candle. I'm going to see if I can do this. And here's what's so significant about it. That as we reflect on the joy, the peace, the hope, and the love that we've already celebrated, that's a lot of smoke. 
Can't do it. Turn it down. There we go. Is that good? Okay. That what we remember is that hope, peace, joy, and love aren't just fancy ideas or nice ideals that we write on Christmas cards and hope one day are true. What we actually find is that in the person of Jesus, all of those things are embodied. The hope of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the love of God are physically represented in the person of Jesus. And so in the hope candle... We light this candle because Jesus is our hope. We hoped for Jesus once and now we're hoping for him to come again. In the peace candle, we light the peace candle because Jesus is our peace. He brings peace and he gives peace and he is peace. Joy, we light the joy candle because Jesus is our joy. He gives us joy and we rejoice that he came to us and will come again. And finally, love. We light the love candle because God is love. Jesus brings love into the, into the whole world and teaches us to love like him. And so it's so fitting that Jesus would be represented by the light of a candle because as he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. He is our true Peace, joy, hope, and love. He is God's physical representation in the world that we get to behold and worship and adore tonight. And that's why we're here. So, in addition to singing another song or two, we're going to celebrate and worship this baby through an opportunity of generosity. And we take offerings every week that kind of help uh, fund the life of the church. Tonight's offering is going to be given away. It's going to be given away to some of our global partners, our local partners, people in places that are in serious and desperate need at this point in their lives. And so we're going to pass buckets in just a few minutes and invite you to worship the baby through giving generously. If you want to write a check, you can make it out to Antioch Church. All cash will go into this joy offering. Uh, if you also like really wanted to do like some year-end giving for our church, that's allowed also, but just make sure you mark that on your check if it's a general fund. If it doesn't say general fund, everything else is going to the joy offering and will be distributed around Bend, Central Oregon, and people in need around the world. So does that sound good? We're going to do that together. So the band will come and uh, lead us in a final song. I'm going to invite you to stand with me and pray, and the buckets will be passed, and uh, we're going to celebrate the baby king. Dear Jesus, we love you so much, and we wish you a happy birthday. And as silly as that sounds to say, you are the reason we are here. You are the reason for our life. You are the reason that we have meaning and, uh, and have all that we are and all that we have. It's all a gift from you, and it all started that day in the manger. And so we celebrate you tonight. We look at you. We behold you. We adore you, and we receive you. We say yes to you. Be our Lord, be our Savior, be our King, be the light of the world, and let us be part of who you are and what you're doing in the world. Thank you. We celebrate you in Jesus' name.